0: This is episode 96 of Parenting with the Focused Mindset. It's been an entire year since Dr. Ben Furman, psychiatrist, internationally renowned trainer of solution-focused therapy and coaching, came on our show. And I'm going to play parts of that interview for this special episode on Thanksgiving Day. And I just want you guys to look at it with a new lens because we've grown a lot in the last year. We've learned a lot about approaches that help us be our best self. But Ben Furman not only talks about solution-focused discipline, he hits on how we can train up teenagers and uh, subjects like self-harm and parenting when we're a single parent, co-parenting, how to help our kids adjust and how to give them genuine compliments and how to work in a community with others. It's so many important subjects for us to think about moving into the very next season and into the next year. It's honestly one of my very favorite interviews, and I know that we're going to enjoy re-listening to this together. So let's get into it. Welcome to Parenting with the Focused Mindset. I'm your host, Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. I know that raising kids is quite the journey and doesn't always turn out as we planned. Here, we talk about the solution-focused approach. We learn how to celebrate when things are going well and how to deal with the many challenges that families face. Don't forget to hit subscribe, download, follow, so you don't miss any of the family-oriented, solution-focused content that I put out for you right here, each and every week. Listening to this podcast will help you be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us today. And before we get into the interview with Ben Furman, I want to say thank you for listening. So many of you guys have reached out and shared with me. I love reading your reviews. Each and every review that you guys put on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I take a minute to listen to, and it's so encouraging. Uh, I wanted to read a couple of them for you today. One of them says, I love how Cher is not afraid to talk about difficult issues. She helps parents deal with things that many people might prefer to sweep under the rug. Face your problems head on. Help your children face their problems head on, all with a solution-focused mindset. We need more of that today. Great work, Cher. Thank you so much, Davis. And then I have one that said, if you're raising a family, this will give you some great insight on these changing times. Take some time to listen to this powerful podcast. And her interviews are as interesting as her. Well. I happen to agree that the interviews are interesting and that is exactly why we're going to revisit this interview today. It is so apropos as we think about how are we going to shape our parenting? How are we going to approach an unknown future? Well, using the solution-focused approach does not mean that we adopt some psychological voodoo into our parenting. It doesn't mean that we abandon all of our old ways but Ben Furman is going to outline the benefits, and he's also going to give us so many practical tips. As this interview went on, we just got deeper and deeper into parenting and the importance of community and and I know that that's so important that we reach out and we join with each other in this endeavor. Many of you guys are a part of the Focused Mindset community. It's absolutely free to do so. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes or you can hop over to the focusedmindset.com, and all you have to do is give me your email. Each and every month I interact with you, I use your ideas for this podcast, and we would love to have you. You can find your invitation to the community in the show notes, or like I said, head over to focusedmindset.com. So let's listen in on our interview. Uh, welcome. Thank you for being here, Ben.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure.
0: What about this approach makes you so excited about spreading it to everywhere?
1: I think I'm not the only one excited about it. It's like all my colleagues internationally are very excited about these ideas. They're basically very simple ideas and easy to teach to people. So many people are like, okay, okay, I get it. So, for example, when I teach in China, and I do have a lot of parents in my workshops because we are often doing workshops on the topic of how to help help children who have any kind of problems you know we call them mental health problems but we can just say problems so very often in my workshops people come back and they say they've tried these ideas with their own children And they found a way, finally, to communicate with their own child. And they're very happy and they're like, wow, I I couldn't believe it. I tried to talk with my child in this way, and now my child talked with me. Before we always get into arguments and my child doesn't want to listen to me and doesn't want to talk to me, and, and no matter what I did, but this kind of gives me practical tools of how to reach how to reach another person, how to how to speak. And you know these tools that we have developed for communicating with kids in a better way. Sometimes people come to me and I've had this experience that somebody comes and says, Ben, ah, these ideas, they they are good, they, they, they work. And I say, oh, so you work with children? No, 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 I don't work with children at all. Oh, I know you have been using these ideas with your own children. No, I don't even have own children. So with whom have you been using? I'm like perplexed and I'm like, with, so with whom have you been using? The, with my husband, it works very well, they say.
0: <laughs> yes, they're they're making it work for them, right? So <laughs> it sounds to me like when you see the results in the people that you're able to see the look on their face when something works, that must be what motivates you to keep moving forward.
1: Yes, and there are also other reasons there's a lot of um, dare I say human rights violations going on in the field of psychology. Oh, you know we yeah. punish we punish kids and we throw them out of schools and we we send them to a trajectory of criminality. I don't think we are pretty, so we are not so uh, excellent in handling um, Deviants. There are a lot of children who don't uh, fit the norms and they are behaving in ways that we don't accept or we are worried about or we think that it's kind of like a mental health problem or a kind of a personality disorder. or It's like something is wrong with this kid. Uh, and then then we uh, we try to do something so what we do is not always uh, you know kosher <laughs> it's not like the right thing to do punishing is not a very good way to to, to try to get the children back on track medication is not a very good way of uh, trying to get children back on track uh, and uh, of course any kind of uh, you know criticizing or um, threatening kids with the uh, consequent threatening kids with consequences? Do you think that happens in your country too?
0: Well, most definitely it does. That's a lot of what I talk to parents about, believe me, is how can I how can I have a different approach when many people, including my own parents, including not only the way I was raised, but the examples are saying, well, you just need to punish them more. That's the message that they get. And that's something that I think we should kind of unpack a little bit because uh, that is not something that comes natural. The natural thing is to do what you were, what what was given to you. Number one, and something in parents' mind says, "No, I want to do better by my children," but how can I do that when my automatic response is punish?
1: I, I think I think you are right. I think it is like like somehow in our culture, the may I say dominant discourse, the dominant way of thinking, is based on be. Can I say behaviorism? You know, yes. the idea—the idea that uh, to raise children, uh, you 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 manipulate them by using basically two techniques. One is um, it could be called bribing, but you know, rewarding. It's also called rewarding, and the other is called consequences. Uh, oh, you could say punishment, because people don't like to say punishment, they say consequences. So sometimes, no, I don't punish my children, I just give them consequences. Yes, but what's the difference from the child point of view? It's exactly the same. So, whether we are talking about rewards or punishments or bribing, or we are talking about, um, you know, what, whichever words we use, the, the the frame of reference is still behaviorism. I am trying to change you by rewarding you and giving you consequences and hoping that you will you know mold into what the society and our family and and what you should behave and uh, in solution focused it 's more based on collaboration so it's quite a different concept it 's like okay, so I have this idea, and it 's like collaborative problem solving it's like i think we have a, houston we have a problem you are not going to school we need to solve this problem how can we do this together how can we um, you know collaborate to find a solution to a problem not not like i have to solve your problem by steering you with the use of um, you know either consequences or rewards and uh, when we are training dogs i think it is the right way we have to use uh, consequences and rewards and many dog trainers these days they say no no don't use punishment no no the punishment doesn't work you have to use reward and that's like a one-step forward but i would like us to take uh, one more step not only you know move away from punishment to rewards but actually take the next step too is like give up let's give up rewards let's give up uh, punishments let's talk to our kids so we we find solutions together
0: i that's like music to my ears and many parents when they feel it's almost like they're released from that pressure almost of the punishment cycle and the punishment cycle seems right in the moment, but it ends up putting you on a hamster wheel because they're working to please the parent. um, But it doesn't translate into owning it into that personal. uh, I want to do this because I want to be that person that's changed. And what have you found works to be able to help? Because in theory, I can I've talked to parents that say absolutely but what have you found that works practically for parents to use this approach
1: mm the story goes back to when I started to work with a the kindergarten the we in finland kids start school when they are 7 years old so 5 and 6 years old are still in kindergarten and i was approached by a kindergarten uh, by a by a small group of, uh, it was only eight children, it was um, special needs kids, uh, in, a, in a special unit. So it was a big kindergarten, but there was a special unit there and, and they needed some help. Actually they said that we are not uh, that bad with the kids, we are actually quite good in helping these kids who have, they all had problems like behavioral problems and emotional problems and what have you Uh, and uh, of course even if in those days maybe not everybody had a diagnosis but today each of them would have not only one diagnosis you know maybe several yeah that's for sure (laughs) yeah and medication at that time also Mm. so so anyways they asked me for help and one of the questions that, that that the the staff had was they would like to improve their collaboration with the parents because they felt that they are not too bad with the kids but they they would like to like to find a way to collaborate better with the parents because some parents they felt don't care and others you know uh, feel blamed and um, and there were many problems related to collaboration with the with the children's parents And, of course, there were also difficulties with the kids. So I said, uh, yes, I'd be happy to work with you, but let's create something together that other kindergartens, other schools, you know, um, parents, anybody could benefit from. And we we decided that we will try to develop something. The idea that we we embarked on was that uh, let's not talk about problems. Let's uh, skip the whole idea of problems. Let's assume that our children don't have any problems at all. They only have skills to learn. It's a kind of a, a little bit mindset type of a thing. So, so you are, of course, they have problems, but but we don't look at them from the perspective of problems we look at them from the perspective of uh, some skill that they might need to develop so that they will be happy and adjusted and successful and so on and you know it becomes much easier to talk with parents when you are not uh, trying to solve the child's problem but you are kind of Finding an agreement with the parents about what would be an important skill for your child to learn in order for your child to be happy, and then uh, they might say, you know, um, the child is uh, lying, for example. But you you keep um, you are consistent and you say, and so of course you don't want your child to write lie to you. That's uh, not good. But what skill do you think he needs to learn so that he doesn't lie to you and then you kind of continue with this question all the time like what skill you can propose the skill you can say we have been observing your child he's a wonderful child he's very creative he is wonderful he's good at drawing he's so sportive. you start by saying the good things about the child the parents will feel very happy about your observations of course but then you continue and then you say there is one skill we think that he might benefit from and then you present the skill and then the parents usually say yeah that would be very good skill for our child yeah we want to help you help our child learn that skill see we are kind of changing our language we are changing our language from a problem focused language to I might say solution-focused language, but nobody would understand what I mean to make sure everybody understands what we are talking about. We don't say solution For we say uh, skill focused, so what skill would be an important skill for your child, and, and then uh, instead of you know lying, it would be of course honesty so honesty is a skill that the children need to learn and then then we are all talking about how honesty is an important skill and how you can learn such a skill and what progress have you already made and, and how, what does it look like let's try a situation where your honesty skill would be you know, challenged and show us how you do that skill and everybody like clapping their hands and you did it, you showed us, yes. celebrating, we make videos of children demonstrating their skills, but we kind of leave behind the world of problems because there's something strange about the human brain. When you start to talk about problems, everybody starts to think why the why question is automatically raised people come with explanations and they know exactly why and this child suffered that and the father was like this and mother was like that and the previous school was bullying and this was that they all have these extraordinary explanations but then these explanations can become uh, um obstacle obstacle like uh, it it stops people from uh, discovering what progress, can be done yeah. about mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it kind of halts the progress because then they're thinking about that rather than the solutions that exist
1: I think you nailed it. It halts the progress. that's exactly what happened, and there is even a saying in in, in English they say sometimes that too much analysis causes paralysis. Yes. If you uh, analyze things too much, you know then you then you definitely don't know what to do about it so so then th- that was our our finding and and since those days, we have just been talking about skills to learn, and you know the bonus. The parents like to talk about what skills their children need to learn, they like to help in some ways, to help the child learn that skill because they don't feel blamed they don't feel like you have done something wrong and therefore you see look at your child you divorced your husband and this is what you get you know now you have a child with a lot of mental health problems yeah yeah but it's not my fault my 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 husband was a jerk and then we are like only blaming each other for for the problems and not moving on but when you start talking about skills everybody changes something happens in the human brain people talk differently and and the bonus that i was referring to you you might have already guessed what i meant and that's that also children like to learn skills so we get we we get um, we we get two birds with one stone i think that's the english expression we say it differently but but uh, it means that uh, when you when you shift from um, from problem language to skill language, you, you, have, you get the two birds with the one stone and one is that uh, parents like to collaborate and then the other one is that um, the children also are willing to learn skills and, and we, we can it's easier to collaborate with them.
0: Yeah, and it's so at that point you have a family unit working together towards a common purpose and when you have that type of collaboration in a family unit, they begin to grow closer through that process where a punishment, um, a punishment cycle, it, they grow further apart. The, another benefit to focusing on the skills and everyone working together towards that purpose is that I, I can only imagine that people feel closer when they practice.
1: Um, even... Yeah, even children feel cold closer because when we started to use this model there in the kindergarten, so the, the each child had a, had a poster, a little mini poster on the wall with their name and and a picture of of their power animal. They get to choose an animal that you know helps me learn my skill, and and all the pop, little mini posters are there on the wall, and and the children know. They know which skill my friend is learning and, and I know which skill you are learning. And then they often often the staff is like, like also having some skills to learn, not only the kids. Why should the school- children be the only ones who are learning skills you know in families mama also might have a skill to learn and daddy might have a skill to learn and then stepmother might have a skill to learn and foster mother might have a skill to learn teacher might have a skill to learn so it becomes more democratic it's not like we are trying to you know, use behavioral tactics and uh, what is it called? Token economy, I think, is one of of the... One of the words from behavioral uh, psychology that we are using different strategies to, to 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 change our children. This is not about changing children. This is about people growing and learning. So so what is that? Da- what is the thing that daddy might need to learn? And he, he probably has a skill to. Or maybe if you ask his wife, he has many skills to <laughs> learn. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, the mommy might have a skill to learn and, and then you can also motivate children better when, when parents are also learning skills. Uh, so the kids are more motivated, okay, um, my father is learning you know, to handle his emotions or whatever it is, you know, uh, stop smoking or, or drive more carefully in traffic, it could be anything. But uh, if there is a skill that my daddy is learning and there is a skill that my mom is learning, Even if they would be divorced, they could still, you know, it has nothing to do uh, with what kind of family arrangement you happen to have. So then uh, the children are more motivated and they will also learn. But in the kindergarten and in schools, we try to ensure that the kids know what skills their friends, their, their classmates are learning, so they will support and help and be actively supporting each other. I think that's the trick. It's not about learning skills, it's about helping each other learn skills. Mm -hmm. Now we are talking.
0: It's like people are very, um, they want to learn themselves and they get excited about watching other people learn rather than the opposite where they feel like, uh, well, let's just take an example of um, counseling. In counseling, if kids really get really honest with me, and usually they do, they will feel like they are um, an odd kid out. They're odd. They're the only one in the family that deals with these problems. They're the one that's the quote-unquote bad kid. And this is maybe even a parent that's never used that word, but that's how they feel. If they're the child that's struggling uh, in appearance the most with their behavior, they become to have such a complex in their family that they play out that role. They play out that role perfectly. Well, I'm the kid that always throws a fit, you know, and it, this is, this approach brings everything into focus where the child can say, wait a minute, I'm normal. I have skills that I need to learn just like everyone else does.
1: Like everyone else, that's an important aspect that you mentioned. Like in kid, in kids' skills, we call this approach kids' skills. So then, um, it's co- it's usually done in some kind of a collective fashion. So we don't pick, we don't um, pinpoint. We don't pick kids out. Of their um, context and say you 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 need some psychotherapy you are a little bit mental we we need to do something with you we, we need to give you medication we need to you know put you into psychotherapy now it's quite different it's like we are all <laughs> in need of uh, learning skills our parents our teacher I remember one Headmaster? No, you wouldn't say headmaster. You would say principal of a school, uh, principal of an elementary school, like primary school. Yes. And he's, he announced through the school PA system, like the radio system in the school. He said, in our school, we are going to start learning skills, and and I can tell you what is my skill. Right now, you know I have a bad habit of interrupting uh, people when they come to talk to me about this or that, so I'm going to learn to become better at listening. That's my skill. Now you get to choose your skill. Uh, We want to give example to the kids that we are also learning skills, then they will want to learn skills. And what is um, the... I said... uh, Two birds with one stone. That's right. But 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 maybe there is a third uh, third bird that with the same <laughs> stone, because because when we are learning skills, we don't have to, you know, be ashamed. Uh, when we have problems, we are always a little bit ashamed, and the parents make sure that nobody knows that my child has this problem or that problem. But when the children are learning skills, it becomes quite um, easy to be open about it and. Say my kid is learning to play with other children or whatever it is.
0: What might you tell a parent that is motivated to help their children learn skills but are feeling overwhelmed and feeling stressed?
1: Yeah, you are right. You are right. But I think parents could benefit from learning what the teachers today are trying to learn. we managers in in. Uh, Many many fortune five fortune five thousand <laughs> fortune five hundred companies I mean all over the world, managers in companies are are taking a coaching training, and then we are like seeing more and more teachers in schools that are kind of a little bit more happy than m- many other teachers about their work, and then you go like well, why why are you not complaining? Everybody's supposed to be complaining. So then uh, they say, I've had some training in coaching. Whoa, has that uh, somehow changed you? Yes, it's changed me totally. So tell me about it. How can you, you know, what what has changed? Before I used to tell children what to do, but now I just ask questions. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of, become aware that there is something called coaching out there and and it's different, it's not like Telling people, or trying to change them, or, or making you know rules and 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 demanding and and it's very unauthoritarian approach. But but it's still an approach to help people, you know, motivate. It's a motivational technique. But you are more using questions, and these good questions that you can ask people. I mean, I mean these, these like. We already talked about one good question: What is a skill that my, you might need to learn in order to help you, you know, be successful in school? Ask that to a kid, and okay, maybe the child will say, you know, I, don't, I have no clue and I'm not interested. <laughs> Could be, but don't give up so uh, quickly. You know, if you want to learn the coaching approach, it's possible to learn, and you can do small exercises first. So we are. That's my job to teach teachers, parents, grandparents, um, counsellors, uh, a coaching style of conversation which is not uh, based on trying to change people, it's based on helping people figure out what might be good for them and what kind of skills they might need to develop and how other people, particularly how other people can help them in, in making those um, growing or learning I, I'd, I'd rather say learning those skills than growing, but of course, when you learn skills, you are growing
0: then you grow now, I have to say that that approach of changing it's a mindset shift from I have to control all of this, it's in my home to saying, hey i can I, I can coach this. what would it, let's make a game plan. Let's set a game plan in action that can be helpful to learn these skills. I can imagine that that alone could lighten the load of a parent that's feeling like they're quite overwhelmed with the task of making sure their kids get all their schoolwork done.
1: And, you know, this is not only mild problems, it's also for serious problems. Like I was talking the other day with a mother who was so uh, extremely worried about her. Thirteen-year-old daughter who had started to cut herself, you know, with a knife, so blood comes out. It's quite, it's very uh, anxiety-provoking when your children are doing this kind of self-harming type of things, and 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 a single, a single mother you are, and, and 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 she's like asking me to help her, and I said, okay, I can talk to your daughter, and the daughter actually talked to me once, once. once. She did come. We had a relative. It felt like a good talk, but then the mother is like, "What can I do? How can I, uh, you know, help her?" And and then you 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 ask like, "Who do you have? Who's helping you?" So then. not many not many but, but are there other p- kids other girls in the classroom that might have similar problems uh, i asked i think so I, I think one of the other girls is also cutting and and they have a gang they they are like four girls or something I see. So do you know the mothers of the other other girls? No, 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 we haven't, we haven't talked. So would it be possible to, you know, call or find some... Oh, I never thought about it like that. And then, you know, starting to think a little bit differently. Like as a single mother, this is overwhelming. You cannot handle that. Come on, stop blaming yourself. It's impossible for you to, you know, she, your girl is 13 years old. She's starting to give the finger to her own mother. She has um, friends and they are all a little bit, uh, you know, doing weird things and so on. And they're all their mothers are worried about these kids. So guess what? she did contact the other mothers, and they are planning to collaborate. And you know, when the mothers and fathers collaborate, then they have much more chances, much much, much more likely that they will have a meeting with the girls, and the girls will start to think about, yeah, let me use my words, think about what skills they need to learn in order not to do uh, things that their their parents certainly don't want them to do.
0: No, and I agree that building a network of support around you on purpose is so helpful because we're talking about uh, the skill, whether it's the skill of going to bed on time, or it's a skill of of managing your stress, or even stopping something that's become such a habit. And we know that things like self-harm and um, many other big issues.
1: Computer that, addiction.
0: Oh, yes. And also just social media. I mean, things are powerful in a child's mind. They are powerful. And getting, and it seems so alarming to the parent that they want so desperately to punish them out of doing that behavior. And that's exactly the opposite of anything that'll loosen the grip. But then when the parent turns and asks them, And loosens it up and says, you know what, we're not talking about you as a problem. We're talking about you as what do you need to learn? It it can change everything. You know, that along with collaboration, it can change everything.
1: And particularly when we are talking about teenagers who are more difficult to handle, then we might want to collaborate with the other parents and we might want to collaborate with the friends, because the friends have so much influence. So even in kindergarten, in Finland here, the kids that we started to work with they're like 5 and 6 years old but they can help each other better than the te- teacher better than the parents because they are very dependent on each other and if, if you know you have a friend who is supporting you in learning to control your temper for example yes. which is a very important skill for many kids so then um, then you kind of grow into a culture where i see it's very difficult for people to change themselves unless they get support from other people and those people that are going to support you they have to be important people to you yes. so maybe your sports coach and sometimes it's not mom and dad. Sometimes okay. it's your uncle. Sometimes it's your ta- auntie, maybe grandmother, maybe, you know, your favorite uh, person in the neighborhood, maybe, maybe your friend, maybe the father of your friend. So there, 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 there should be maybe, maybe it would make all our lives easier if we, we were more network-oriented in the way we think about child-rearing.
0: Listening to podcasts. Uh, reaching out to the community of the people that uh, listen to that podcast. We need to look for new ways because it's best for our families to live in community.
1: <laughs> Come to think about it when you speak like that is that we are so used to sitting in the zoom meetings in our, in our work. So maybe we should also start to do zoom meetings with our, uh, our, uh, the other, with the children and uh, teenagers and, the, and even the smaller kids and their parents. So we should use our talent to do successful Zoom meetings with the, with our natural networks, not only with our colleagues in our work.
0: The circumstances we can't control, but we can control our own actions and we can control the things that we are like to learn in our lifetime. Right here in, the, in, in your own home, you can work on that. And that can be a step forward that might truly give them the wings they need to pro- progress, and to make progress in their families.
1: Yes, and now that we are talking about skills to learn, so we already covered the idea that children are maybe more motivated to learn a skill that would make them succeed in school or you know, have a better relationship with their brother, or whatever it is, if, uh, if uh, this is done collectively. And with teenagers, it means that you are not the only teenager in this social network who is learning a skill. you know um, Susie also has a skill to learn and Rebecca also agreed with her parents that she and actually Susie's mother also has a skill to learn and and his father, even if the father lives uh, on the other side of the ocean, so he's also uh, agreed to to learn a skill so now we are going to support each other and uh, and then then you know if we do it like this then we still need to talk about motivation because uh, people you know, very often agree to learn all kinds of things but then nothing happens then we get very frustrated so so then uh, the question of motivation becomes very interesting and i think this is something that uh, that we all we should all be interested in what is it that motivates people and and, and we start to kind of collect motivational tools And uh, I have created a list of them in in the kids' skills method, it's actually kind of a motivational method. The moment you start to talk about skills, the next question is motivation. Like, how do we ensure that people actually learn those skills that they, they said that they want to learn? But one thing is that if you can make it fun, you know, kids can learn anything. And this is true for adults too, that you, we are much more likely to learn something if it's made, if it's fun, if, it, if there are maybe levels. You borrow from game gaming industry, you steal ideas from gaming industry, and you know that the games that are much more popular, than the other games are those where it's a network that's like you are a gang you, you're you not alone playing there with the with the mario bro or something you're actually having a whole network of you get to know them you speak with them you communicate with them so there we we can we can go into the world of gaming and we can retrieve uh, lots of lovely ideas from the world of gaming and, and since the the world of gaming has been so uh, successful, so why don't we go and steal all the all their ideas and bring oh them gosh. into education?
0: I absolutely love it, and I remember uh, hearing you talk, and we're gonna find out in a few moments every place that we can find you for those that are not going to be able to say that this is enough. Uh, they need more of what you're teaching. But <laughs> I remember on one of your youtubes i was I browsed that you talked about allowing kids to have imaginary, uh, friend or an imaginary person, you know, help them along. If they don't have a friend that can help them, they can, you could say, well, you know, do you have, and I thought of the gaming world because avatars are, yes. And what I've allowed uh, in teaching many times, I say, what is the avatar that you love to play in your fill in the blank favorite game? And then I say, well, what if that, person, what if that avatar was walking right alongside you? What if they were motivating you? What would they say? And it's it just their eyes light up because the possibility of that being their helper.
1: Native and Native American Indians, they use this power idea, power animal idea, that it kind of comes in your dreams and then, then it helps you or protects you. And in many religions, you have the idea of a guardian, angel. Children create that idea without anybody telling them they can have f- f- friends or, or they can have heroes or superheroes. So actually, this is quite a common thing that people people uh, get they have they find it very useful to identify or to you know befriend some kind of a baloo uh, think about baloo baloo is a good one from the disney animation yeah uh, and and this is kind of a lovely idea because if you if the child is afraid of something for example then you ask what, what what are you? What you know? Computer game character, or cartoon character, or fairy tale character? They can think of that could help them overcome. And, and when it's a fear, and we we were saying that the opposite the opposite of fear is not exactly a skill, but it could be a bravery. So then you are saying, which bravery do you need? You're shifting from fear or phobia to bravery or courage if you like and then you kind of see, now you are talking about bravery and when you are talking about bravery it's kind of automatic that like who can help you learn that bravery and even if you didn't think about some fantasy creature or The children come up with that idea. Yeah, they will say, this beaver will help me. And then you go, oh, the beaver will help you. Yeah, the beaver is my best friend. And then maybe it's a cuddly toy, or maybe it's something, something in their mind, or something that they fantasize. But anyway, the moment they say, the beaver will help me, of course you will say, how will the beaver help you? And then the cr- child enters a kind of a creative process where they say, I, I, will, I will glue a picture of the beaver on my desk or something. They they come up with kind of silly ideas, perhaps from the adult perspective, but they are actually quite lovely ideas, and, and, and they are not alien to ad- adults either, because even if adults maybe don't have a power animal, so they might have a, some kind of... Maybe they should. You know, you could have a symbol, you could have a logo. There are so many ways that we can use our imagination to to support us in uh, our motivate us, support us, mm-hmm. we, we, to change something. Any you know, eating habits, or to change behavioral habits, or to change emotional habits. You know, if you become angry and you start shouting, and now you should learn. To, to not shout, to, to talk nicely, even when you are irritated, you still learn to control your, your way of speaking. That's an important skill for many, and many, many parents actually you know they say they said there 's one skill i I would need to learn I, I I lose my temper very easily with my children, and they say, "Okay, so what skill do you need to learn? Well, I think I need to learn to stay calm, even if my children are you know p- pushing my buttons so then you say oh that 's a wonderful skill and and i 'm sure many many people in your family will benefit. your children will benefit, your husband will benefit yeah. you will benefit because then you want you know." Be angry at yourself for losing it again. So then um, then you can always enter the, the, the realm of imagination and say, okay. who can help you? Maybe the first, maybe people first say, nobody, I have to do it by myself. Then you would probably say, hey, come on, you are not a miracle maker. Nobody right. can do these things alone. You need help.
0: I mentioned to you that I'm going to be doing a couple of series on how to help kids feel balanced and secure when they have two homes that they're living in. And uh, even though we won't have time to dive into all of that, I think that this concept alone is something helpful because a child can take that superhero and that, that power animal or that, they can take that with them from home to home. And it can be something that is a commonality between those two spaces. And uh, then in the larger family unit that they call home, which is sometimes two homes, right?
1: I, I like that. There was a family therapist and the f- child was having so, you know, it was so difficult for the child to move from one home to the other. And it was a, a nuisance. The kid was a nuisance when she, he was returning. Returning to mother or returning to father. Either I don't way, remember. Yeah. Either way. It can be both ways too. Both huh? ways. Anyway, so the, the therapist said that the, the reason for this, um, for... Being so difficult is that uh, the body has moved houses, but the soul has not yet
0: mm, that's powerful right there that's let's all pause and think about that that was powerful
1: <laughs> so when the body is now not now the body is at mom's place the the, the body the body and the soul. We're at dad's place. Now the body is at mom's place, but the soul is like halfway in between. Wow, As
0: that's so interesting to consider. And we've all experienced when we've gone on a vacation or something, and we come home and we're getting ready for work the next day. And- <laughs> Yeah. i all over there on vacation. Why am I going yeah. to work today? You know?
1: Half your soul is still there, so to say, metaphorically speak. And so the therapist said you have to have a hat, you know, like a cap that you are wearing. Could be a scarf just as well. It doesn't matter what it is. But anyway, then you, you keep it on until your soul has arrived.
0: Oh, how sweet is that? I love that. that <laughs> so,
1: so your mom will know. That you are not, that yeah. your uh, your soul has not yet arrived, yes. and she will leave you alone.
0: <laughs> and the kid will be like, you know, give me a minute. It's like a, a visual way of them kind of knowing, give me a minute, give me a minute, yeah. I'll be all right. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then then people don't get so nervous about it. And they, what has your daddy done with you again? You haven't been sleeping well, and right. you haven't been eating. well. See what you are behaving like that. And then they, you know, start to shout, or um, even not if they helpful. don't, say yeah, anything. not helpful.
0: <laughs> no, well, I love that. That is the sweetest thing. I cannot believe how much we've covered, and this time has just flown by. And uh, from just understanding that there are a lot of pressures that are put on us and questions about how can we raise our kids in the right way and being able to have our eyes open that there are approaches that can bring collaboration to all of our kids and more than that, help them be excited about learning, specifically learning skills. Where, where can you be, where's the place that we can go um, on social media to find you? Some, do you have some books if people are interested? What Tell us about where we can find you.
1: I'm quite easy to find. You just put my name on Google and you find my YouTube channel and you find the books that I have been writing. And of course, you find my website, www.benferman.com.
0: Do you have something that you might say, hey, guys, let's practice this this week?
1: Yeah, there there are many exercises that we do in parenting classes and so on. But one of the popular ones that most people like is called Triple Praise.
0: Share it with us.
1: It's a fun exercise you you uh, It's based on the idea of catch them doing good, and you you do it you don't do it only with your kids you have to do it with your husband or wife or your partner or whoever you happen to be with and then uh, you catch them doing good or you ask them like, What have you done this week or today that uh, that went well that you are proud of that you know success it's like small everyday successes you either you observe them having a successful something you know maybe they helped you in the kitchen or they cleaned their room or they did their homework without you having to bribe them or you know threaten them with huge punishments no no but not punishment oh, Consequ- only consequences
0: yes <laughs> even consequences only consequence. only.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so then you catch them doing good like like i think you say there in america which is a lovely expression and then um, and then or or you ask them what they have done, and when they tell you, you are like all ears, and and uh, or if you tell them you you mention what you saw that they did, and then you do the triple praise. It's naturally consisting from of three compartments and the first one is exclamation of wonder. That means you say something like, wow, well done, good job, I'm amazed, I can't believe it, Uh, I'm impressed. And then um, you combine to this exclamation of wonder some hand signal, it can be a high five or a fist bump or a step on the shoulder, or whatever you can... Maybe the Facebook sign, you know, the thumbs up sign. Anyway, this, yeah, that's it. So you don't actually, you don't have to say anything. With, particularly with teenagers, it's better not to say anything. You just sure. show them your thumbs up sign or some other sign that's seen. The second part is declaration of difficulty. Then you say something in line with the, no, that's not easy. It's difficult. You know, I have tried and I haven't. You know, many, many don't fail. Many have failed. Many have tried and many have failed. Something in that effect. And uh, the last part of the triple praise is, of course, a question. It's a request for an explanation that's the scientific name of the third part request for an explanation and then you go like how did you do that so that's the triple praise and that's what you need to practice with anyone uh, find a victim from anywhere even even from the local store <laughs> whoever well, it local is <laughs> and then you you subject them to your triple praise see what happens you'll have a lot of fun
0: Oh, it will be fun! But I definitely think that that needs to be our solution-focused exercise this week—the triple praise.
1: And one more thing: when you write it in the practice note, don't forget to write that when you ask them how did you do that. If they don't thank anyone for having um, succeeded, you have to ask them one more question, and that is who helped you.
0: I love that. They're just they're simple questions, but. Simple, uh, simple, and powerful. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Bye bye.
0: And that takes us to the end of our interview with Dr. Ben Furman from Finland. Remember to head over to his website, benfurman.com, to learn more about kids' skills, and my website, thefocusedmindset.com, is going to give you solution-focused strategies. I have some special giveaways just for you moving into the holidays. And if you guys are looking for some amazing gifts for your kids, don't forget to check out the Big Life Journal. And when you use the link that's on my website or right here in the show notes, it helps support the focused mindset. Another great way to support us is to leave a review. I'd love to hear your review in the month to come and read it. I appreciate it so much. And you can share with me some of the things that you've done that works with your kids And as we move into the holiday season, December's right around the corner. I hope that you find peace, joy, happiness with your children, with your family, with your loved ones. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.